Okay, welcome to the From Luxism to Acceptance in OA, Letting Go of Judgment Workshop. My name is Susan, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that the session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Um, The following is a reading from For Today, page 129. How seek the way which leadeth to our wishes by renouncing our wishes? The crown of excellence is renunciation. Hafiz Divan? Divan? How I struggle to get what I want. Where is that perfect friend, mate, child I so hoped for? What can I do to attain the prestige, power, money, and success I think I deserve? Here, too, the OA program shows me the answer. Though I may think I want all these things, what I really want is to be at peace with myself. No person, possession, or acclaim can do that for me. OA's suggestion is, let go your wishes, turn them over to your higher power to grant or not as God sees fit. An immediate result of renouncing my wishes is that I stop thinking about them. I live in the moment, giving the best thought I am capable of to each task that comes to hand. For today, I have complete faith that as I turn over what I want, God will give me what I need. So I skipped over number three, which says the format of this session is as follows. So I'm going to tell you something and take a group conscience. I will share for 35 to 40 minutes, followed by questions or sharing. And the topic for this session is from Luxism to Acceptance in OA, Letting Go of Judgment. So I was on the program committee, and I helped create this program, and Luxism in OA is a thing of mine. And I said, can we please have a workshop on Luxism in OA? And they asked me to lead it, and I said, great. And then my um, husband, which I might talk a little bit about, had a traumatic brain injury, and I had to, to leave the committee. So they found somebody else to lead this session, And then that person ended up not being able to do it, so they asked me to do it. And I planned on doing it the way I was going to do it. And I just got here a few minutes ago and read this and thought, oh, my God. (laughs) That is not what I planned at all. So I'm going to tell you what I planned. And I would like to take a group conscience on whether we're going to do that or whether I'm going to talk for 35 to 40 minutes and hear your shares. I I have spoken a lot in, in speaker kinds of arenas, so I'm perfectly capable of doing that. I'm also an educator, and what I planned was a workshop, a real workshop, uh, where I'm going to tell you my luxism story and experience of judgment and, and uh, getting out of that, uh, and then hearing, having you share um, what kind of experiences you've had in being judged by your looks inside of OA and outside of OA and sharing that and then um, brainstorming on what we can do to overcome that problem and then sharing our brainstorming. So those are two really different kinds of workshops. And I'm just going to tell you, do you want this one or do you want that one? And that's what I'll do. 
and I don't, it doesn't matter to me, so I'm not going to take any of it personally. So if you would like to have the workshop that I planned, which is where you're involved and you're doing some writing and everyone's doing some sharing, please raise your hand. Okay? And if you would like to have the workshop where I'm speaking for 35 to 40 minutes and then people are sharing, please raise your hand. That's what I was afraid of. What? That would be hard to do. I was going to have a hard time doing what I was going to do in an hour. Well, it starts with me talking, so that's where I'm going to start, and I'm going to trust in my higher power to lead the way. So I'm Susan, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I've been in these rooms for 27 years and uh, have lost somewhere around 80 pounds. I don't know exactly how much it is because I, I stopped weighing when I got over 200 pounds. Before I got to 200 pounds, I stopped weighing. I, didn't, I couldn't do anything about it. It depressed me, and I didn't want to know, so, so I just stopped. So I don't know the exact number. Uh, and, and in some ways, it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. I've been thinner than I am now in this program. I've been a lot bigger than I am now in this program. And I've experienced a lot of judgment in this program and a lot of acceptance in this program. So, um, in other words, these rooms have been real life for me. They, they haven't been the, um, the thing that I often heard about, this unconditional safe place, uh, mostly regarding weight. So I have not done it perfectly. Uh, I did, I'm just going to share very quickly what it was like uh, because we've all been there or we wouldn't be in these rooms. So I started overeating when I was 8, and I started gaining weight when I was 10, I think some of it is just that I have a, a biochemical tendency towards uh, addiction to, for me personally, sugar, flour, and probably wheat. And uh, also, I, ha- I had the perfect storm at home. So my parents were divorced when I was eight, and I, was, I came out of the womb a sensitive, intuitive child, uh, not fully embraced by my family. Being around sensitive, intuitive people is challenging. So... Um, the focus became my weight. It was much easier to, for my family to focus on my weight, sort of like I focus on cookies. They focused on Susan's weight, especially my mother. She was a beauty queen and a sorority gal, and she was in broadcasting, and uh, looks were and are extremely important to her. So at a very early age, she tried to make me mateable and dateable. You know, that was, that's... That was, in her mind, how to be mateable and dateable, was to be beautiful, and, have a, and that included a beautiful body. So um, I, was, I got very early on that my body wasn't all right. And sometimes it wasn't even, besides everybody putting me on diet, sometimes it was the nonverbals. I got a lot of ups and downs. <clears throat> to this day, when she lives in Seattle, to this day when I go visit her, the first thing is, so for the tape, I'm looking up and down. Uh, years ago, when I first got into program, about two years in the program, and she did that, I said, what are you looking at? <laughs> and she was like, nothing, nothing. <laughs> um, I'm much gentler now and know that, uh, you know, she has this disease, and part of this disease is looksism. And that's part, and it's part of my disease, and I believe, uh, unless you're exceptional, probably everyone in this program has the disease of looksism. It's part of the illness of compulsive overeating. Because I was taught that having a 
better body made me a better person. So I internalized that, and I went out into the world thinking that if you have a better body, you're a better person, which is insane. My wonderful uncle said to me, uh, the pretty people are fun to look at, and that's all. And I love that. It was so succinct. It was so, you know, yes, people like looking at pretty people because it's fun. And that's all. There's nothing more. It, it, there's, there's some value in that. But, you know, uh, as an artist, I don't try to be Michelangelo. And uh, I don't, and as an academic, I don't try to be Einstein. So why do I try to be a supermodel? Because it will make me a better person and give me more value. So I, I came into these rooms because I've heard a lot of people say this weekend they came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. I actually came for the sanity. I really did. I was 200 pounds, but I didn't care about that as much as I cared about wanting to stop doing what I was doing. I knew it was crazy. I knew it was insane. I knew it was going to kill me. I knew it was fatal, chronic and serious, because normal people didn't do what I was doing. So in one month, I gained 40 pounds. At my lowest, um, I was cruising around in the middle of the night. I couldn't keep my alcoholic boyfriends, my waitressing jobs. Um, I went to jail. That's, that's what this disease did to me. So I didn't come for the vanity. I, I, I stayed for the vanity. <laughs> I actually, I eventually got, got what I wanted, looks-wise. But um, it's not what I came for. It was, a, it was a byproduct of it. So I have said that in meetings before. I remember pitching in a, in a Los Angeles meeting, saying it's not about the weight for me. It's about the sanity and the spiritual fitness. And somebody pitched right back at me and said... It is about the weight for me, and if there were a bunch of fat people sitting in this room, I'd never come back. And, of course, I, I got a little scared. And, uh, you know, I never, I don't have control over my first thought, but I do have control over my second thought. And my second thought was, oh, this poor man, the prison he must be in. And I hope he's going to be all right. Well, I watched him relapse, and I watched him leave the rooms, and then I watched him come back ten years later, bigger, that's what looksism does to us. I don't want us to take this lightly, and that's why I asked for a workshop on this. Um, so when I came here, I stopped eating at what I call the lethal level. The lethal, the lethal level was that gaining 40 pounds in a month. It was um, eating all day, dropping out of college, going from place to place, and... Um, coming home, stealing money from pockets, waiting until everyone was asleep, going out in the middle of the night, going from place to place, um, knowing it was a ritual. I knew what was open, when, where I could get hot, where I could get gooey, what was fresh um, throughout the night. And then, came, and then when it started getting light, I went to bed because I was so depressed, and I woke up and started in the same thing to forget about yesterday. So I stopped doing that when I came to these rooms. And I got down to 12s and 14s. 
of course I wanted to be a size 4 because um, being a size 4 makes gives me a better body, which makes me a better person, right? So that is like, again, that is a distraction. Like wanting a cookie is a distraction from what's really going on in my life. Wanting that body is also a distraction from what's going on in my life. So I stayed at size 12, size 14 for many, many years in this program and maintained that I was abstinent and I was working a program. And I have always worked a strong program. I didn't, I didn't have any other option. What, you know, everything else I tried. I did all the diets, by the way. I did all the diets. I did all the, all the non-diets, all the psychological approaches, all the things you see on talk shows. I did them all. The thing I didn't do was surgery. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't quite as widespread then. So I'm losing my train of thought a little bit because I'm split about <laughs> how to do the workshop. I often do this. What was I talking about before the diets? Oh, thank you. So, so I was eating sanely. Yes, I wasn't eating for the size of a size four, but I was eating sanely. And I got, mind you, I was going to meetings in Los Angeles. I, and don't get me wrong, I love OA. I'm here 27 years later, and this program gave me a way to live that works, and I am absolutely living a life beyond my wildest dreams. I really am. It's not the life I planned. It's not, it's not the life my ego planned. It's the life that was given to me as a result of working these steps. So I go to meetings in Los Angeles, and, of course, Los Angeles is Luxism center of the world, Right? So, of course, it's going to be reflected in our rooms. Of course it is. And size 14, size 12 in the rooms of OA in Los Angeles is not well. Size 4 is well. We used to have a maintainer's meeting where if you were a certain size or something, I can't remember, you could share. So all the bulimics and anorexics shared. It really, It's really true. <laughs> so, So... It was spiritual work for me to accept myself as being average, being a perfectionist. It's actually the thing that allowed me to let go of perfectionism because I couldn't get that body that was drummed into my head that I needed to have to be an okay person. I couldn't get it. I was an average American-sized woman. And it wasn't good enough in OA. It wasn't good enough in my home. And so that didn't. Ha- so I had to work against that. So I found meetings that were 100% safe. They may not have the recovery that were in a lot of the LA rooms, but they had safety. And at the time, that was more important to me, where I could just go and share my truth and not be judged. And people would say to me, Susan, who cares about their judgment? Just don't listen to it and go to the meetings and get your medicine. I said, you know what? This is an Achilles heel of mine. I have a weakness here. I cannot go to meetings and allow this weakness to be strengthened. And so, and so I didn't. Um, eventually, I started praying the prayer in the OA 12 and 12 in the third step. It's on page 23, and it says that we pray for our right eating guidelines. Eventually, I got tired of being a size 12 and a size 14. 
eventually I grew enough that I wanted to embrace my, mostly my sexuality, which we heard about earlier today. I wanted to embrace that and own it and find out who I am as a woman. And I realized that I was hiding from that in my size 12 and size 14. I also hadn't been able to get down to that better body that was going to make me a better person in OA. So I prayed that prayer, asking for the right eating guidelines, and it promises us that we, that we will be led to them, absolutely. And I was. I was led to an outside program. Uh, some people ask me what the program is, which you can certainly ask me afterwards, but I don't even think it's important because we all have different bodies and different chemistry, and we require different nutrition. So I really believe in asking for my own eating guidelines and asking for the willingness to stay within them each day. And then I lost a lot of weight. I lost a lot of weight and got down to a size 4, which is not what I am now. And guess what? Everybody loved me. I almost wish they didn't. It, um, people at work took me more seriously. I got asked to speak all over the place. And I understand that. People wanted what I had. And I also know now that I look fine. <laughs> I look fine. I want to be... So my husband had this traumatic brain injury in September, and my abstinence has not been squeaky clean. So when I speak, I always like to share my truth. A lot of times I hear about perfect back-to-back abstinence for 27 years, and God bless them. If I could have done that, I would have. And I haven't been able to, and my best has to be good enough, because what else am I going to do <laughs> except my best? So my path has been one about gentleness, falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up. Uh, Before program, I wasn't able to get up. It's all of you people who've helped me to get up. And to, you know, when I fall down, there's a red flag, certainly. It's a red flag. Something's going on, and I have the steps and tools to find out what's going on and get through it instead of eating and never getting to to the bottom of it. So um, I didn't want to lead this workshop because I gained a little weight while my husband, I was caretaking. (laughs) Those of you who've done it know. You'll never know until you do it. So I'm recovering from post-traumatic stress syndrome myself, and uh, and it shows in my body. And I I find that that's true of many compulsive overeaters. Our life story shows up in our body. And the fact that I've been able to abstain to the extent that I have and continue to exercise and be clean and pray and meditate is wonderful. It's good enough. I am not a perfectionist anymore. It's good enough. So guess what? I'm not as impressive anymore. So I, again, and I thought, I don't want to do that workshop. I want to be size four, better body, better person, right? And then I thought, no, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. You get to get up here, Susan, and say you are okay at the size I am now, which I don't even know what it is because it's different at every single store. (laughs) It's like, what is it? Is it an 8 or is it a 12? And it's everything in between. It drives me crazy. Um, And it's not important, right? It just, and I'm getting older, and I'm being forced to accept gravity and all the things that happen. I am not my body. I am not my clothing size. And this, and the problem for me and for, and for this program, I believe, is that we don't deal with that internally and we externalize it. 
Do you know how many people I've seen do this this weekend? A lot. And it's scary for me because I know what's going on in their head is, oh, she's gained a little. And that's scarier here than any place out that nobody out there cares if I've gained a little. They just don't, especially when you're 50-something. It's done. It's not done in my mind. But they don't care. So where they care is here. So my spiritual work is it's me and my acceptance. It starts here with me accepting me. My mother is um, 80-something. I can't remember. She's suffering from emphysema. And um, she's now a size zero. And she's really happy about it. I know. And here's what I said. I said, you know, Mom, I, I think you look good. And that shows me just how sick I am. She understood that. So so what I wanted to do in the workshop was ask you your experiences of judgment. So as I'm here in the convention and I see the eyes go up and down my body and wonder what they're thinking, that's my first thought. I'm not in charge of my first thought, but my second thought I am in charge of. And my second thought is, if they have a problem with it, it's their problem. It is not mine. That doesn't come naturally to me. That's not, was, that's not what was inbred into me. And I also do the same thing. I look at people's faces. I work very hard not to do that. That's what comes naturally to me. It's what I want to do first. And for some reason, I think it's going to tell me how they're doing. It's just not accurate. It is just not accurate. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great considering what I've been through. So I want to ask, I was going to ask, I'm, still, I'm going to ask you to do it. <laughs> um, to write down experiences that you've had where you've been judged inside and outside of OA. I have uh, notepads and pencils for you. If anyone needs them, please feel free to come up. I guess I'll give you about, because I need to, because I'm making two workshops out of one, um, I'm going to move along pretty quickly. So I'll give you about five minutes. Just do bulleted statements. You don't have to do a bunch of journal writing. Just write this, 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 and this, and this. You are not turning these in. The question was, does it have to be about your weight or something else? It can, there, this, this is, you don't have to follow rules here. So um, the question to answer was, when have you felt judged inside or outside of OA? It can be about your weight. Really, it's whatever is pressing is probably what you should write. Those are the very things that we eat over. So the best thing to write about is what's eating you. After this last year, I really wanted to go to the humor shop, the humor workshop, and I was bummed out that this was at the same time. That's what tapes are for. And isn't it nice that 
this program allows the kind of fun that we're hearing and something serious like this as well, that we can hold them both. So what I'd like, I was going to get you into groups. What I'm going to do now instead is ask you to um, share it with someone else. Now, you don't have to if you're a terrible introvert. You don't have to do anything. It always helps to share. I shouldn't say terrible introvert. I'm an introvert, and it's not terrible. <laughs> um, um, my sponsor 27 years ago said, uh, start talking to start recover, start recovering. That having a voice, having a voice in meetings was m- my beginning steps on the journey of recovery. And then having a voice in service meetings where it's not quite as safe as meetings. Uh, and then I, I got a voice. I have my voice back. I'm here speaking. So I do encourage you to share uh, this is, a, you know, I've talked about judgment, but this is still the safest place to share. So if you could find someone to share, um, share your judgments, and I'll give you a few minutes to do that, and then we're going to do another exercise. Okay. So if I hadn't spent so much time sharing... I would have had you share in groups, but instead now I'm wondering if there are any of you. I'd like to hear a little bit about the problem, and then I want to get into the solution. So is there anyone brave enough to come up and share some of their experiences? Come on up. I'm just thinking this will save time down here. Hi, my name's Alma, and I'm from Long Beach, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I was sharing with my partner that uh, coming into OA, I've never had any problems with regards to lookism and judge. I've been really, you know, welcome with open arms. I lost 30 pounds, and nobody really mentioned it. Uh, Maybe I had one or two people say, hey, you look great. Uh, You lost some weight. Uh, Now in the outside world, wow, that's a whole different animal, as I like to call it. Um, I had many people, you know, in my world, in the executive world, uh, weight loss is very important. Um, Your physique, what you're wearing, what kind of shoes, what kind of purse you're walking around with, that's very, very important. And that kind of resonated with me. And I did come into OA. I came to OA because that was the last thing for me as well. And and I, I came in for for peace because I was compulsively overeating and destroying myself and didn't want to go back into those dark, uh, that dark place that I like to call it. Um, so, you know, I still have to live out there in the everyday world and how do I balance these people's looks and judgments that, you know, looking at me up and down and, and also being able to, you know, do my recovery and my program. And it's, it has been tough because I had to get out of that mentality that you're never going to have Jennifer Lopez's body. You're not even built that way. And at this point, going into my second year and recovery, you know what? That's not even important anymore. The peace and the tranquility that I have and that I want, and that's a much more important thing for me now. Just went to the doctors, and I asked her, well, would it be okay if I'm 125? She says, why? A healthier weight is higher than that. So that kind of told me that maybe I need to move away from this model or, or this you know, glorified way of looking because your own doctor doesn't think it's good for you. Why are you putting so much emphasis on that? I'd rather put in more emphasis in these uh, rooms and these meetings and just continue to nurture my peace and tranquility in my personal life. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, 
Hi, Michelle, compulsive overeater, bulimic. I'll just share for one from each. Um, when I had been in program for about a year, I'd lost maybe 20, 25 pounds, and I'd had my first family portrait done, and I showed it to a friend in program, and I told her that I felt like I looked really fat in it, and she told me that I did look really fat in it, and that I needed to know that when other people saw me, that that's how they saw me, and that I should um, work more on the physical part of my recovery. So I actually had somebody tell me that in program. And uh, about outside of program, what I will say is um, I have been asked, like, all through my life when somebody hasn't seen me for a while, oh, have you lost weight? Oh, have you lost weight? You look good. Have you lost weight? And whether I have or not, it just always makes me feel like this person has always seen me as a fat person. Like that, when they think of me, that I'm a fat person. And um, so that's what I have to share about that. And I don't see myself that way. So that so that's kind of why it upsets me because because I even when I was I, I'm down seventy pounds but even when I was fatter um, I didn't see myself that way so it's distressing to me. Hi, I'm Sandy. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm fairly um, fairly new to OA. And one thing I will say about it, it's just incredible. Um, I've been to several meetings now, um, just felt so very welcome. You can feel the sincerity with um, everyone, and this convention is, like, incredible to me. Um, I was telling, I forget your name here, Jane, yeah. A couple years ago, I went to a um, family reunion and saw people that I'd never met. And I've always had a problem as a young child. Um, Everybody's built big in my family. We have big butts, big arms, and so that's always been a really huge, huge problem for me. But um, at this reunion, we were taking a family picture, and my cousin tucked my arms under, and um, I'm not bashful. I said, did you do that because you didn't want the fat to show in the photo? And she says, yeah, that's right. Um, So I've been kind of hanging on to that for two years. And, and one thing I've always really wanted to do anyway in my adult life is to, like, go get this, as the doctors call it, the wings chopped off. Um, so that, and then I gained about 40 pounds in eight months, emotional uh, weight gain. And um, it's, I know that with what I'm learning here, it's going to go away. I'm not sure the big arms will or the big butt, but... That's okay, too. It's part of my history. (laughs) Thank you all. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Elisa, a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Elisa. And I so related to everything you had to say. Um, I've been in program going on four years in September, and when I first came to program, I was at my weakest, and so um, I was a size 14, and in about nine months, I got down to a size 4, working the steps and really, you know, serving and using the tools, and um, I, in that time frame, I'm, I'm no, obviously no longer a size 4, um, <laughs> but um, at that time, um, I it was amazing. I was, like, in this zone where I wasn't focused on my... 
I wasn't focused on losing the weight. It just came off naturally, and I got so much attention, and it was great. But um, what the reason I and I've, I've stayed abstinent, but I gained weight because at a size four, I expected with all this attention that I would be married to the successful man of my dreams and I would have um, the dream job and when I found over time that my will wasn't coming through I was like screw it you know obviously this size you know four isn't you know what it's I, I dreamt it up to be and I thought it would be the answer to all my problems and the solution and it really wasn't and a talk I had with my sponsor recently was well what that has shown you is that being a size four is obviously not the answer. It's it's about a spiritual program and a connection to your higher power. So um, I, I uh, gained what I am now, which is an eight. And for the last uh, eight weeks, I have had a consistently uh, more disciplined eating plan, for which I'm grateful for, to God for giving me a willingness to. And let me just say to you, if you can in program, you know, once you do get down to a certain weight, if you can try to sustain. It, in my opinion, it's worth it because it's so hard now trying to get back down. Uh, and um, I, oh, with regards to the voice of judgment about this kind of, you know, going back up to eight, nobody, none of my friends have said anything. Nobody around me, my workplace, have said anything about gaining weight. Because I'm tall, I'm 5'10, um, you know, I look pretty good even though, you know, I'm, I've gained so much weight. And um, but the voice of self-judgment has been huge. It's I feel so demoralized, low self-esteem. I feel like a loser. Like um, how could you let yourself lose this control? And what's so wonderful about you know this 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 whole experience coming out here to R two is somebody showed to me that I have a resentment about my expectation of how much weight I should be losing now that I've been disciplined for uh, eight weeks. I thought I should be at my goal weight after eight weeks of back to a size four. Okay, a little unrealistic. And when I'm sharing this with a fellow today, she said to me, you know what, you have a resentment about not reaching your expectation. And I was so grateful for her saying that to me. So that's another voice of judgment that I've been, since she mentioned it to me, turning over to God. And I'm just so grateful for this program. If, you know, I'm going around in the neighborhood of, of uh, the bad neighborhood of my own head. It's a very dangerous place. So I need all of you to be able to work through uh, these issues with. And, and I'm just so grateful to have that. Also, um, uh, the voice of judgment over looksism has been huge with me. I'm very vain. I love clothes. I love, like I was sharing with a, a, a fellow just now, I love couture, I love this top is Valentino, you know, I love like watching fashion shows on TV and um, it has hurt me seeing all these clothes in my former size that are burgeoning out of my closet because I went shopping like a mad person, you know, can you imagine as a compulsive doing something like that, but I went shopping as a mad person when I was my size 4 because I've always loved clothes, even when I was I was 14 and I could never fit into it and look amazing which I did so it's these voices that I'm, I'm really grateful for this seminar and the opportunity to share. And there is a higher power who's, who's um, the solution and who I'm more connecting to to heal of, of these issues. Thank you. We need time for the solution. Uh, all right. So now I've put a bunch of uh, Post-it notes around. 
So I'd like you to brainstorm on solutions to the judgment, either judgment you've experienced or judgments that you have. Brainstorming means there's no right or wrong. Brainstorming means just writing down what your brain comes up with. So the best thing to do is just to keep your pen going. And then what I'd like to do is, um, after you're done with that, is to share some of the solutions that you come up with. And we, I want to post them on the wall to stay here for, for the weekend so that people can take a look at what the solution to judgment within and outside the walls of OA can be. So go ahead and start. I'll give you maybe four minutes. <laughs> So answer the question, what can you do to accept yourself and others? What can you do to accept yourself and others? So now I would love to have people come up and share what's on their notes. And, you know, actually if we could make a line, that would save us time. Uh, maybe line over on this side. And then when you're done with your note, post it on that pillar. I'm Maggie. I'm a compulsive overeater. It's a very short story. One day I was putting pictures in and I saw this picture. Of, I was 60. I saw this picture of when I was 40. And I thought, you know, how good I looked. And I remembered I didn't think I looked good at then. And I had a, a thought that, you know, today I'm 60. I, uh, maybe someday I'll look back and think I look good today. So I went into the bedroom and I looked in the mirror. And I looked straight ahead and I said, now pretend you're 80. My entire attitude changed. This whole wave came over me. And I went, damn, you look great. <laughs> I mean, you're so spry. Look at your, you know, all that. So... The, so my first one is in, it, um, you know, appreciating where we are today. And the other one is I found myself always um, sending, uh, talking, to, looking at my stomach and thinking about how big it was. And I remember thinking, um, wow, it's just constantly sending hate mail to my stomach. And so I started saying, you know, thank you. You were good. I'm not in any pain, you know, and all this. And I heard somebody talk about hating your legs and, ta- and being grateful that her legs could take her places. Hi, I'm Feline. I'm a compulsive overeater and a good girl A student. So I did the assignment as told, and I have three things. One is to remember that God is large and in charge, as cheesy as that may sound. I'm not going to say anything fun and you know exciting like these guys are probably saying, but also um, from the big book that nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. So I'm going to show you guys something which is really awful. I'm going to show you my arms here. And my arms here are, um, I, when I was a teenager, I almost tried to uh, take myself out of the family situation I was in, and I was hospitalized for a week. And, I, and cortisone was the solution of that. And I gained 20 pounds in that week. And my whole life, I've gone around being ashamed of these arms for the scars on them. And I will never be ashamed to bear my arms again, because nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Kia, compulsive eater. Um, the solutions that I came up with that have been very instrumental in helping me come to, you know, um, a good place. Acceptance. Oh, sorry. Acceptance. Acceptance of myself. Acceptance of 
every piece and part and just, you know, looking with my eyes open and saying, yeah, it is, and rolling with it, being grateful, being grateful that I have a body that works, that's not in pain, being grateful that it serves all the functions that it does, releasing my self-judgment to God and just, you know, letting it, letting it be what it is for however long it needs to be that, learning that I'm not my body. I'm just, I'm not. I, big or little, you know, I mean, things, it's the self, the, the inside me, that's not my body. And the, I, probably the other thing that I think has helped the most is learning how to see the beauty in every person that I encounter and really start trying to stop the, the judgment because I have this really critical eye that I can write list what's wrong with every person I see and now I'm trying to really say, you know, what's right with this person and look how beautiful they are and I just keep doing that, keep doing that so that eventually it sticks. Well, Kia must have looked at my paper because she said the very same thing that I wrote down. I'm Debbie, compulsive overeater. Hi. Um, Solution to judgment is to recognize that everyone is a perfect child of God, struggling through life just like me. Everyone is unique. There is no one size fits all. And diversity should be embraced. Hi, I'm Meg. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, everybody. Um, I wrote three things down. Um, the first one was, look in the mirror and say, I'm perfect just the way I am. And then, we are all just where we need to be. And pray for those we judge to have all we want. Hi, I'm Sima. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic bulimic. Um, some of the things that um, I feel that we could do, number one, uh, rely upon the God of my understanding. I can continue to work these spiritual principles in all of my affairs. And then that I can um, trust and rely on God, only God, Lisa again. So for all those voices of judgment, here are some of my solutions. Um, Love myself as God loves me. Um, I think the beginning of loving and accepting others really at its core comes from a deep wellspring of self-love and self-acceptance. I think that's really the ground ground zero of uh, having a self-image of my as a child of God. And from there, I'm able to love unconditionally the way God loves me. Then I wrote, loving other people as God loves me. So uh, God loves me with great grace, non-judgmental, supportive, uh, understanding. And uh, similarly, I feel that as I receive, I can Give, as I receive that from God and accept it, I can then give that out to others. Lastly, I just uh, put writing down about my feelings and accepting them. I get so much wisdom. I daily journal, and I get so much wisdom and insight to issues that uh, by reading literature and then um, journaling from literature, from OA, about how I uh, relate to that uh, goal of you know the OA ideal. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Caroline. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi. Um, the first one I wrote was to focus on other people's eyes and don't look anyone um, but in the face. And I got that from this workshop uh, right here. And I'm very grateful for that because I tend to do the, you know, looking up and down, which I'm very judgmental. All right. Um, ask God to grant me the willingness to accept myself and to create a love journal written to me from me. That's it. Thank you. Hi, my name is Laurie, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I've weighed over 250 pounds most of my life. I hit 200 in the sixth grade, and this is only the second time in my life I've been below it. So I've heard a lot of nasty things throughout my life. And I just wanted to say sarcasm is self-hatred turned outward. And I just always have to remember that. If somebody's saying nasty things to me, it's probably because they don't like themselves very much. Um, When I'm comfortable with my food, I'm comfortable with my body size. Um, Others do not have the power to make me hate myself. I choose to give that power away. Trusting that God will have me lose the weight when I'm ready. And being a smaller size doesn't make me a better person. Liking myself is an inside job. Uh, My name is Matt. I'm a compulsive overeater. I would tell you my weight loss, but then I don't want to encourage lookism, so I won't. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Um, I just say I think a refocus on the 12 steps in Overeaters Anonymous is actually the solution for me because then it gets, if I'm in someone's judgment of their lookism, um, then really I need to stop and look at where is my self centered fear lying in the situation. And also for me personally, re educating myself on what lookism really is and also what. You know, for me as a human being, I'm attracted to certain things, and I felt a lot of shame about that. And I was married to a woman um, who I wasn't physically attracted to. And when I lost the weight, uh, eventually, you know, just through recovery, the, the marriage ended. And the woman I'm with now, she's skinny, she's tall, and she's blonde. Judge me. Go for it. Quite an act to follow. <laughs> I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive eater. Okay, I have two for me and one for the people I judge. Uh, for, for me, um, I, I write about how I feel about me, and I turn it over to my higher power, and I do the next indicated right thing. Because there's some things I cannot change, but God can, and he only can. So that's how I do it. And then I um, act as if I'm okay just for today. Uh, how would a, a normal person... How would a normal... <coughs> person in a normal body act today and the thing I do for other people and that re- is I'm reminded to do is look and listen for, for the recovery in other people's voices and actions not in what they look like on the outside that's actually all the time we have but what I would love for you all to do after the workshop is to post them on anything that'll stick on Uh, I bought these at the hotel, and they're apparently old, not sticking. So I might go get some tape. Um, Okay, that's all the time we have for sharing. It's now time to close the session. And I want to say that if this is the last house on the block, it needs to be safe. It needs to be a safe house. 
And perhaps this session can help us all to make it safe for ourselves and to make it safe for others as well so that we can recover and live our lives as our higher power would have us. Um, If you enjoyed the workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. And also, we've been talking about sizes. I love the OA boutique. Half of my, because I have different sizes, half of my closet is from the OA boutique, including pajamas and shoes and purses. Yesterday, I bought a corset. (laughs) I know, it's for my hubby. The OA boutique, it's just off of the, um, off of the lobby. Where they have stuff What? Jewelry, no, no, it's inside a room. It's the OA boutique inside a room, and they have lots of clothes. And about this time in the convention, the, the prices go down. They're half off right now. I'm telling you, the boutique is the reason I come. That's wonderful. All right. Uh, sorry. I digress. All right, let's join hands and close in the serenity prayer. God. 